0: our father we are rejoicing today not only because the weather's good that's one thing to rejoice about but father we are rejoicing most importantly because of who you are who our lord jesus christ is seated at your right hand in heaven's glory and what has been accomplished redemptively redemptively for our sakes Sinners saved by grace, thank you, Father, for intersecting with our lives in such a powerful and transforming way and giving us a hope that is eternal and a life now, indeed, foreshadowing what's yet to come. So, Father, thank you so much for each one gathered here under the sound of my voice today and uh, under the teaching of your word. Father, I pray that you'd watch over us all may we continue to rejoice in thanksgiving for all things may we be encouraged by your presence your love and your outpoured and unlimited grace may we be energized and may our lights be bright to communicate these precious truths to all around us each day and each hour Pray for the young ones, Father, in our families and uh, that we have an opportunity to reach out to, that you would continue to build walls of protection about them, encourage them, uh, guide them, Father, and draw them, Father, into your precious word of grace, that they might have a place to stand as they build lives based upon uh, that great work that Christ has accomplished Uh, may they be a powerful testimony and a witness for the younger ones growing up in our midst and soon perhaps in some cases to be independent but not independent of you father we would pray and ask father i pray for our nation and uh, those that serve there in whatever the level of government or the uh, uh the task uh, of service uh, such as firefighters, police, military, and missionaries, Father, who serve you in far places or near. And we pray, Father, for our president, that you support him in these dark days. And may he and others that serve with him be lights, lights of truth, lights of righteousness, true righteousness. May our nation again be a light in this world and may the errors and failures of the past be set aside father we would ask that and that you'd bless us now as we open your word and we thank you in christ's name amen well we have a great privilege today next time lord willing i want to finish up our our studies in the letter to the philippians um has to finish next time because we can't finish this time because a very important part of the letter must be saved uh, for uh, reasons you'll see as we go along here today. But um, today what I want to do is finish up the, the list of 12 dimensions of God's blessedness that is uh, gifted to us who are saints of god those who know him by grace through faith today 12 dimensions of blessedness last time we looked at seven of those what i've uh, mentioned before is that the best outline of this letter by the apostle paul to the philippian believers uh, can be discerned from the actual words that are found there in the text and there are 12 and uh, we looked at seven last time Um, i'll just uh, review a couple of those today before we get into the main part of our uh, study in god's word but uh, normally uh, if we're looking at a letter such as this from a high level we we would perhaps not be looking at specific words as much as the truths that are taught there but but that's often uh <clears throat> uh not effective if we are ignoring the very words themselves the very words themselves were given by god god's spirit uh brought them to the apostle paul as he wrote this letter uh, so these are the very words of god himself as communicated through paul's pen but uh, in fact uh they do provide a structure to the teaching in the letter that's really critical important to understand so the very language itself compare uh, compels rather that we study carefully Uh, i'm not going to make that list again of the 12 but uh, we've done that before twice at least Uh, but i do want to to um, look at how paul introduces the letter and then what his main point becomes as he proceeds there, and what words were used and the truths that they um, communicate. So first of all, that we are sanctified in Christ Jesus. It's in verse 1 of the letter where we read, Paul and (laughs) Timotheus, sorry about that. Paul and Timothy, or Timotheus, the servants bond slaves of Jesus Christ to all the saints. In other words, the sanctified ones who are in Christ Jesus and are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. So Paul and Timothy are the ones from whom the letter comes, right? And they are identified as bond slaves of Christ. The letters written to the saints these are not saints according to some religious system these are saints according to god's precious work under grace right these are the ones who have been set aside by that grace whose lives have been intersected and transformed by the power of god they're the ones who are sanctified and they are in Christ Jesus. This is very, very Pauline, this language, in Christ Jesus, uh, speaking of all that's been accomplished by Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, and our position in the heavenlies, even right now, in Christ, right? Christ is at the right hand of God the Father. We are there in him. We possess his righteousness okay it's been imputed to our account so we've been justified therefore we are eligible uh for these great blessings and sit there already at least in uh god's sight uh secondly grace is the theme it's mentioned a number of times in this letter in verse 2 it's mentioned where paul offers the salutation grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Uh, Grace be unto you. So Paul's desire is that the believers, you read the letter, and by extension by all of us, that we would be recipients of this empowering grace. Now, by that, he's not implying that we're not saved yet and we need grace and we need to be saved. No, not that at all. He's writing to believers, but what he's mainly focused on in this letter is very, very practical. And uh, that's all about receiving the abundance of grace. Remember, Paul wrote about that in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, that we might willingly, thankfully, with great joy, receive the abundance of grace and uh, therefore to reign in life, to reign in life. Okay, so that's uh, Paul's purpose in writing the letter. It's very, very practical, and he reflects that in verse number 7 of chapter 1. And there we find these words. Even as is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. Okay, there's much that can be said about this. Um, I'll say some more about it next time. But there is a real uh, transfer through the powerful word of God concerning grace to us. So what we may receive through this word is an empowering of grace since that's what paul is really writing about here we have therefore not only the salutation regarding grace but also its reaffirmation here grace surely does abound don't forget it grace is abounding that grace is from god it's to be received with joy right and if our lives were characterized by that uh, always they would be so different than they are because they are not always characterized by that. Uh, because in our lives, we do not necessarily uh, receive all that God would provide, right? So that's really the point of the letter. He wants us to receive it all at each day, each hour, each moment. That's what he wants for himself, and that's what he wants for us, and he stands forth as our example now what this what this provides therefore is an opportunity for fellowship fellowship it's not only with god and our lord jesus christ it's also with one another so he he moves on in the next verses in philippians 1 to write about the fellowship okay and he's he's singling out just one example of that there one one aspect of it and that's that the philippians had sent Epaphroditus to Paul in Rome from Philippi to Rome with a gift, right? And that gift made up for the lack that he had in various physical ways, right? So that gift was a blessing to him. He's thanking them for that here. Indeed, this is a letter of thanksgiving to them and to God. He says, I thank my God, Philippians 1, three, upon every remembrance of you. And then verse five, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Okay, now, I found it uh, strikingly uh, powerful, Uh, really didn't see this aspect of this until just a couple of weeks ago, even after teaching Philippians for many years, but uh, a few times at least verse by verse through the letter, but uh, didn't see quite the full uh meaning that's being expressed here until a couple of weeks ago and that said what he says here is that this work mainly this work of the philippians this good work says it is a good work right uh, and the philippians uh sacrificed made uh an offering for the benefit of paul she calls it good work here but what he says is <laughs> something about god he says confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it or will keep keep doing it or complete it when that the day of jesus christ right so paul is confident that the philippians will continue in these good works but what he says here is that these good works are works of the lord he which hath begun a good work in you that's God himself, okay? And so Paul is able to thank God for the Philippians' good works because it is God who began the good work in them, right? And will continue it. He's not going to stop his work. It will go on and on and on and multiply with exceeding abundance. And you can you can imagine, uh, you know, maybe that's not the right word. You can anticipate how much blessing will flow from this by how paul writes of it here right how many times have people read the letter and received this blessing that we're receiving right now right concerning the overall sovereignty of god over the body of christ and each member of the body and and how god is working in us to bring forth these good works which are fruit right Unto him, unto his glory. Not our glory, but his. Okay. So that's a precious thing that is God working the gift and the good works. And uh, Paul gives thanks for it here. So please don't miss that connection. Uh, good works are needed, but it's really important that they're works that God is enabling. I hope you understand what I'm saying there. Okay. Uh, There are other things that could be said, but I'd like to get directly into our main focus today, Uh, just after one more comment about what we looked at last time. Last time we uh, finished up with uh, a focus on how we are to have one mind or singleness of mind. It's sort of like having our minds You know what uh, mirrors and and lenses can do and so forth to focus light. And uh, our minds are to be focused very carefully on the right things. Uh, In one Bible study earlier today, we were focused on the pattern in heaven that Moses was directed to use in uh, communicating to the children of Israel while they were in the wilderness how they should build uh the uh, the tabernacle and uh all of that had to be done very carefully they had to be very very carefully focused on the pattern that was in heaven that was communicated to Moses well here what we have is uh a number of patterns revealed Christ first then Paul then timothy and then epaphroditus are the examples set forth in the letter to the philippians right so we're supposed to have singleness of mind a very clear focus of thinking Um, this is the main truth in the entire letter in fact a word for thinking or minding is used 10 different times in this letter that's uh, many many times that's why I say it's the main focus, right? Uh, first of all, Christ is our example, the apostle says. Then he says, I am your example because I imitate Christ, right? And then the others also are examples. And the exhortation is that we would be uh, examples for others like they were and are. So that we ourselves would also be uh, those who have testimonies for the Lord, the testimonies that are powerful, enduring, and eternal. Okay. So that's really, uh, the message there. And, uh, Paul writes of that in a number of ways in the letter. But, uh, at the end of chapter th- one in Philippians, verse number 30, he says, uh, that they ought to have the same conflict which he says you saw in me and now here to be in me so paul's testimony was very strong and the philippians were going to be learning of that here in this letter and also from epaphroditus and timothy who would come to minister to them shortly right they would testify concerning paul in rome and the great ways in which god had worked there through him okay having the same conflict This is uh, sounds negative, a conflict, right? Uh, The word just means, in this case, it's a positive struggle on behalf of the Lord against spiritual forces that are evil. So Paul's struggle was a positive. It was a spiritual virtue. He was carrying out the will of God in holy living while he was in bondage in Rome, right? And it says his main ministry was the gospel, the ministry of the, the gospel. That was uh, what he was engaged in. Okay, so that's, that's really where we ended up last time. And I, I hope that uh, if I've done anything properly in our teaching here regarding Philippians, it's to emphasize this issue of testimony and how important it is many are watching you and me far more than we know about do we have a pure testimony if we do it will reflect properly the abundant grace of our lord jesus christ right and uh, if we do not it will not properly reflect that grace and god's glory In that way okay so that's paul's exhortation we're going to see how he continues that now today um we're now down to the eighth dimension of blessedness here in this list and this one has to do with a great privilege that's set before us and that privilege is to be joined together with one spirit and soul To be joined together with one spirit and soul. Now, there's every opportunity for division uh, in this world. Just look at our governmental situation. Do you see division there? Do you see unity? I don't see unity there. I see division, right? There's a a marginal kind of unity here and there, sometimes for good, sometimes for ill and evil, right? But... uh, that there would be a true unity of spirit and soul. That's something that seems far, far beyond us in this life, right? Even in the churches, what do you see? Do you see unity of spirit and soul where the members of Christ's body are properly joined together? Uh, Paul's able to sing a lot, two women here, Eodias and Syntyche. And as I've said before, Uh, their problem was visible to all they did not have the same mind in the lord they were not unified with one spirit and soul and therefore they were not only damaging their own lives but that that of others too right Uh, paul says uh in verse uh, 27, something that where we want to start today, so I, I want Patty to read this just momentarily, but basically uh, it's a great statement, it's a powerful statement as to how God would like us to live and uh, <laughs> the benefits of this would be on every side if only we would live this way, right? So Patty, would you read for us uh, that great statement, that great truth there? that exhortation, Philippians one twenty-seven.
1: Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel.
0: Okay, thank you. Uh, <clears throat> well, um, We often think about our testimonies in kind of an isolated way, just it's between us and God, and uh, no one else uh, can really see into our hearts, and we're therefore independent uh, of others in our testimony. But what Paul is talking about here is different. He's talking about here of a unity with brethren, and our testimony being that one, (laughs) not um, isolated an individual but together with others so he says whether i come and see you or else be absent i may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel so we certainly see the truth expressed there very powerfully, that uh, what God desires very much is unity. Now, that's uh, not something that we find really a lot of. We see a lot of unities, but not necessarily this unity, right? Uh, unities are, are, are sought for everywhere, politically, um, culturally, religiously. Many unities are being uh, uh, desired and accomplished but is it uh one spirit joining them that's the question it's pretty clear to see it is not because they're all teaching different doctrines (laughs) and so it's not the unity that paul is writing about here Uh, not that at all right which is a true unity of the spirit well Paul goes on now, the next dimension of blessing that we're privileged to receive is in the area of the filling and the supply, the filling and the supply. Uh, Verse 11 of Philippians 1. Lisa, Lisa, would you please read this for us?
2: Yes. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God.
0: Thank you, Lisa. So that's what Paul desires. He desired it for himself. He it for the Philippian believers, and he desires it for us. The fruits of righteousness, which are by not just any kind of righteousness, but this particular kind, uh, which is by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, um uh, <laughs> There is a, a tremendous statement regarding this in chapter four. And uh, uh, Linda, I'd like you to read the, about that for us. Philippians four, verses 18 and 19.
1: But I have all in abound, and I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. An odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus.
0: Okay. Thank you, Linda. I love that that uh, section of Philippians 4. Now, what you're seeing as we go along, remember I mentioned that the words reveal the structure of the letter, right? So what we're seeing, many things in chapter 1 that are then reflected later in the letter in similar language using the same words. So, so you see the correspondence okay you see the structure the symmetry it's a divinely given order that's present in this letter communicates the perfect truth of the word of god revealed through paul here yeah i mean so many commentators write of paul's letters in in a way that's unbecoming of the work of the spirit of god in in inspiring them And, and one of my previously favorite commentators actually i say previously favored because i changed my mind about him but uh, he actually said there's no visible structure in the letter to the philippians my 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 okay um so paul's writing about filling here and the abundant supply uh, both in chapter one and in chapter four this filling That's very much the focus here is really essential. You know, without it, we as believers are going to be tossed to and fro and will have no sure purpose or spiritual direction without this filling that Paul writes about here, right? Ministry may look good on the outside, but instead it may be exactly what the carnal nature within us desired, right? That would be evil. So... Do not judge a book by its cover, they say. The the cover may be very, very misleading. The, The cover is selected in order to promote the sale of the book, right? The content of the book and the cover may not correspond much at all, okay? So what Paul is saying here very much and very strongly is that uh, we have a great great need as believers today yes we're saved we're justified we're you know we're we're uh, insured uh, a heavenly uh, fellowship with the Lord God right absolutely, but in our lives right here, we may not be living out the newness of life at all. we may be caught up in really a worldly and carnal fleshly system uh of of um, lives uh, that look very much like that of unbelievers right now i'm not talking about morality here we may be very moral but not very spiritual okay it's very very possible that that's the case hopefully it's not uh that way but what paul is writing is that uh we need this filling and the supply. Now, the filling and the supply go together, but the latter exceeds the former. So the supply, without the supply, there cannot be a filling. Right, we're talking about the the supply of, as Paul wrote in verse nineteen of chapter one, the supply that's a supply to overflowing. Think of an artesian well, right? the supply of the spirit of jesus christ that's what paul is writing about here it's that supply that should be filling us always so our lives should really be lived on a very very high plane indeed Um, if we do not receive that then we will not live in the realm of privilege like we should and that's really the whole focus of the letter right Well, now we get down to the tenth dimension, the tenth dimension uh, of blessing that is our privilege. And that is one that many would like to turn aside from simply because the, the, uh, the prospect of suffering is not one anyone might be looking forward to, right? We might want to avoid that. We might pray to God often that we will not have to suffer for jesus sake think about that for a moment is that what we pray and hope for that we will not suffer for jesus sake well what paul has written here at the end of chapter one is that we all will in fact need to suffer for his sake and it's set before us as a privilege okay so let's see patty patty i'd like you to read that philippians one
1: twenty nine and thirty for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here to be in me,
0: okay, and uh, before we uh, make comments on that, um, I'd like um us to have the rest of these verses read. So, Charlie, would you please read Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, also about this uh, suffering that Paul has just written about in chapter 1?
2: Then I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his (coughs) sufferings being made conformable unto his death.
0: Thank you, Charlie. And suffering on behalf of Christ is our privilege okay so think about this praying to avoid that suffering versus uh, god through christ giving us this privilege as a gift right (laughs) well you see the contrast there right Uh, so philippians chapter 1 verse 29 says that is given to us as a gift that opportunity that privilege unto you it is given in the behalf of christ Not only to believe, but also to suffer for his sake. Yes, the gift of faith is how we got started on this path, right? Now we are to walk the path. We're well started, but now the challenge is to walk, to live in the light of his glory and his grace, to walk the path. And all those, remember this, all those who will live godly, In Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Okay? Paul himself was living that life, and for that reason, he was in bondage in Rome, right? And uh, that's what verse 30 here says uh, concerning his testimony. But really, it's in chapter 3, verse 10, where we see the heart of the apostle Paul made... uh, concretely clear i mean it's just so powerfully stated there what paul's heartfelt desire for his life was remember earlier he said for me to live is christ and to die is gain right here in chapter 10 chapter 3 verse 10 he says that i may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death so paul's desire came to be looking forward to this ongoing challenge right looking forward to this race that was set before him that he might run that race well and receive the prize at the end, right? And he uses these different um, phrases here to communicate that, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Paul's example is highlighted here because it is Paul's example of how he is now imitating christ that is to be our example right and so we are to be drawn by the spirit of god into this walk into this way of life whereby we may increasingly come to know him better and better as he is having suffered for us right and to thereby receive the power of his resurrection, having already passed into this sharing in his sufferings, okay? This is a profound spiritual exhortation. Profoundly spiritual. And yet it's hardly ever taught today. And why is that? It's because Paul is ignored today it is not in the center of the teachings that we hear in most places right Um, but paul's testimony is powerful i don't know how anyone can live this life uh properly without knowing much of paul right the the test really of teaching today should be is it pauline right that should be the test And if it's not, we should turn aside, right? So, may we come to understand the full meaning of what Paul has written here, increasingly day by day, as he takes us through this cycle of death into life, okay? That's what Paul is saying we should be learning today, how to move through that cycle from death to life in our daily walk. Right. If we do that, then our lives will truly be on display. And what will they be displaying? His resurrection quality of life. Right. That's what newness of life is all about. But you can't display the resurrection quality of life without, in your spirit, have having experienced the fellowship of his sufferings. That's what Paul writes right here. I mean, we can ignore the verses and go on. But to to our own uh, great loss, if we do, right? Our great spiritual loss in that case. Well, now we get to the 11th uh, dimension of blessing here. And that's the one that uh, I wanted to spend a little bit of time on here. So much time that we won't have time to deal with it. And look at the 12th, the 12th dimension. (laughs) We'll have to save that for next time. <clears throat> the eleventh is our hope of out resurrection, as he puts it here in this in the Greek word, just translated with the word resurrection here, and also the prize, uh, the prize of the high calling, or really the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus, right? And uh, so for that uh, great section of Scripture, Lisa. Uh, Please read it for us, uh, verses 11 through 14.
2: If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which, which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus.
0: Thank you, Lisa. Well, okay, here's the uh, the race analogy. Paul is a runner. <laughs> this is not the Olympics that comes about every few years. It's something far more significant for us believers than anything like that. I gave the illustration last time of uh, uh, Eric Liddell, right? Uh, An Olympic runner in the 1924 Olympics. a race was scheduled on Sunday, and he felt it was not honoring to the Lord to run that race on that day, even though he was favored to win the gold medal at that time, right? And so he did not. He deferred, and uh, his <laughs> his great competition, another young man uh, ran the race well and won the gold, right? Right. Um, Paul, Paul writes, uh, of his life here in, in a way that I think was well demonstrated for us there in, in the movie The Chariots of Fire, right? What you may not know is that, uh, that race that Eric Liddell ran ultimately led to his dying in, uh, captivity in China as a missionary, right? Uh, and, uh, it's a great, great story of christian life and ministry and uh in fact the first gold the first uh gold medal ever won by a chinese person was won by eric liddell it had become uh a resident there and had lived there for many years in fact, he'd been raised in china by missionary parents before they came back to scotland Okay, so uh Paul writes of his life here, in this le- in this place, in this world, as a race to be run, right? And he, he says, I'm struggling to attain unto the victory here, right? The victory is to run the race according to the regulations well, and end up with the prize, right? To ha- have a clear focus on the mark, the mark is the goal goalpost, right uh that one might run the race well and receive what he calls the prize of the high calling of god in christ jesus now there are words here that require explanation uh, and uh, the key word is the word resurrection there in verse 11 if by any means i might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now, we've looked at this before, and uh, so I'm reviewing these things so we will not forget Paul's teaching here in Philippians. In fact, I think we've reviewed enough that all of you who've been with us uh, each Sunday morning will have a very clear view of this and probably will not easily forget these precious truths. At least that's my hope. Okay, so what Paul says here is that um, there was a resurrection standing ahead, okay, and he was motivated by it, and he says, If by any means I might attain unto it, well uh he's not doubting the possibility of it, but just the specifics of how it might be accomplished, okay, it is not guaranteed for all; this is not the resurrection that we will experience at the rapture that is not the resurrection he's writing about here but let's consider why that's not the rapture uh uh that that is being written of here right um let's consider why it is not well first of all there's a different word used here than the normal word for resurrection It it is the word for resurrection in the original language, but it has a prefix on it. That prefix means out, from, among, okay? So this is the out from among resurrection of the dead. In other words, set apart from them. So the key question is, in what sense does he mean set apart from the dead ones, right? Uh, There are several possibilities, first of all. It could be that paul is saying there's a special physical resurrection or some that is not to be shared by the other members of the body of christ that's one possibility and uh, i'm quite sure that is not what he has in mind here but that was something that could have been a reality for other believers in the past in fact For the Apostle Daniel, it's revealed in chapter 12 of Daniel's prophecy, and this is the direct word of God to Daniel, that there will be multiple phases in resurrection for those believers with that kingdom hope. And Daniel is going to be resurrected in the final phase of those resurrections. Now, these are all... At the time when christ returns to establish his kingdom you would think daniel would be the first not the last but no he will be in the last wave there and he says uh, this revelation to daniel is that he will be privileged in that regard (laughs) a special privilege for daniel daniel chapter 12 verses 11 through 13 you can read of it uh when you have opportunity right Uh, So that would be a possibility, a special resurrection for those that run the race of life here. Well, Uh, well, I don't believe that's uh, what what um, Paul is writing about. Why not? I don't believe that because we need to take the context into consideration and specifically the nearest context of all, which is in the previous Verse. <laughs> okay, so in the previous verse, uh, Paul writes in verse 10, he writes about this, and we just uh, heard of that. Uh, Charlie read it for us uh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of, of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And then verse 11 would immediately follow that, right, Uh, if by any means I might attain unto this out-resurrection out from among dead ones. Okay, so I believe that the nearest context of all that mentions this spiritual resurrection, right, not a physical one, but a spiritual one, is what Paul is referring to here. He's talking about being distinguished spiritually, Because he has run this race well. That's what I believe Paul is writing about. The prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus is going to be the special revelation of Paul's testimony in Christ. And that's something that stands before all of us as a possibility. It's our our privilege to run the same race Paul did to to gain the same prize Paul hoped for, but notice he wasn't assured it was was not something that had been promised to him, in other words. physical resurrection is, <clears throat> but remember, we looked in other places in uh, Corinthians uh, and saw that there's going to be rewards given out. <clears throat> at the judgment seat of Christ, right? So not all believers will be <laughs> apportioned rewards in the same fashion, right? <clears throat> also in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we read of uh, the crown of righteousness, right? To those that love his appearing. Not everyone will have that crown, but some will, right? It's set before us <clears throat> as a privilege to be sought for and gained by godly uh, service right so bodily resurrection is most likely not in view here but rather uh, the resurrection life of the spirit distinguishing us and setting us apart from the dead ones all around us who uh, will not live in newness of life it's not their choice and that is not their pattern of living. What a sad, sad thing, but it is a fact, right? Paul writes of some in Corinth who were dead while they liveth. He writes of some dead while they liveth, right? Uh, actually, I misspoke. I don't think it's in Corinthians, but exactly where, I'm not sure at the moment. Dead while they liveth. They're believers, but they are not. Resting in the Lord and in the glory Of his grace And their lives are reflecting That so clearly So, so we come today At this point where Next time we should, Lord willing Be ready to finish up This twelfth uh, Dimension of privilege Of the saints of God Right, That twelfth dimension being The opportunity To imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. So, for now, let's uh, run the race set before us. Let's seek the prize of his high calling in Christ Jesus. Let's hope for this out from among others resurrection, standing out from apart from those who are not living in newness of life, but uh, carrying along in a worldly fashion. Let us, like Paul, come to know Christ very well, indeed, in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. So there are two alternatives implied and a third possible being an enemy of the cross of Christ or bond slaves of Christ and his redeeming love and grace. And then the third in the middle not to not to run that race or to run it poorly, right? As many do, right? Being uncompetitive, as it were, spiritually speaking, in the greatest challenge of our lives. Rather, we should live life to its fullest, filled to overflowing with the never-ending supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. To his honor and glory. Amen. Run well, run well. (laughs) That's my challenge for you today. Amen. Uh, Well, any uh, comments or questions before we go to prayer today? Hi, Jim. Go ahead, Tom.
3: Well, you had said that, to use your words, that this was profoundly spiritual. Mm. that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Mm. I, I made the mistake of trying to illustrate this point to, uh, my favorite religious section of, uh, organized religion.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And it was a shocking thing to, uh, the parishioners that that I should recommend that their pastor, if you will, they don't use that name, they use the name priest, Mm. learn this. Mm. I recommended that he come and spend the rest of his life wanting to know more about Jesus, mm. it was shocking to them. It just—I guess—they were implying that inherently, once you were in the priesthood, you—you you knew everything and everything about about Jesus and so okay. forth. Sure. But that's not my point—is not to pick on them so much as—and um, I think I said this last week, but I look forward to an eternity of learning to know Him and this <laughs> same power. Yes. Um.
0: Mm, yes, indeed. All right,
3: uh, that's enough for me. I think I'm preaching. Uh, <laughs> that's okay to preach. It 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 just struck me again when you said it again. It's profoundly spiritual.
0: Yes, amen. Isn't it though? <laughs> and it was truly profoundly
3: oh, no. spiritual. No, All man, right, I'm man, done. Man. Uh, thank you so much, Jim, for your your hard work on our behalf.
0: Ah, it's my my joy and privilege, Tom. Glad you're with us. Any uh, other comments? Anyone else? I do, Jim. Go ahead. Um, th-
2: thanks for the teaching. It was great. Um, I have a question about walking in newness of life. That um, even if someone who is a believer, you said, is not walking in newness of life, that they would be worldly or carnal. Um, if, if they don't uh, understand or follow the Pauline teachings, um, you're saying that they still can be saved because they they have put their faith in Jesus, but they might not be walking in newness of life and be missing out on spiritual blessings. Can you help me to understand that better?
0: Sure. It's one thing to start to walk. It's another thing to keep walking.
2: Okay.
0: To enter the race is another thing to run it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're saved by simple faith. The mm-hmm. gospel is the power of God unto salvation, right? And uh, by that simple faith, we're saved, and we are then granted, given, and promised an eternity in the presence of God, right? But that doesn't mean we are going to walk in newness of life as Paul has recommended it and uh, illustrated it. So uh, they're two entirely different things, and... Uh, it it's, of course, not really easily possible for us to just with uh, sort of the eyes of our flesh to kind of look around and see who's doing it and who isn't. That isn't really the point, right? right. Uh, we may easily be missing, misled in in that evaluation because we don't know the hearts. Right. Right. Uh, Sometimes people may not look very well. In fact, I don't have time now to talk about it, but one gentleman didn't look well at all, but I believe his heart was right with the Lord and uh, greatly uh, desiring God's glory through him. But uh, nearly nobody would have evaluated his life that way. And they did, and they talked about it. But anyway, uh, and I only learned later. Uh, what his heart really was for the lord see but um it's not an issue of us looking on the outside and trying to evaluate it but what paul is writing about here is what has to come from the inside right he's talking about our hearts and whether they are uh, properly um, sustained by the food of grace that we find here in this precious word right and whether their lives, therefore, are are uh, fostered by that that spiritual food, and whether their uh, and the, whether the fruit of that is in fact being manifested before God and our Lord Jesus. So it's not it's not our testimony. It's not something you could measure uh, and uh, write about it in a book uh, easily, because you wouldn't know what work god was doing in that person at least you wouldn't know that much about it so he's writing here about those that are indeed taking to heart the message of grace right that's what he's writing about those that have taken to heart the message of god's grace through jesus christ now, I, I think your question probably already uh, assumed that difference, so I'm wondering whether maybe I missed the point just now.
2: That was helpful. Thank you, Jim. for, for um, it, it, it seems that the, the teaching is just very deep, and I really enjoy it, and I think about my loved ones and those that profess uh, Christ, and they know that Christ died for their sins, but they have no interest. I'm not talking about my immediate family, but friends and, and extended family um, mm-hmm. that, that profess the Lord and they, they believe in His death, burial, and resurrection. But they have no interest in growing in the knowledge of God or in even having a discussion about it. They find it offensive, and I and that's hard for me to understand because if they profess Christ but yet don't want to discuss it, uh, that's hard for me to understand that kind of a Testimony. Yes. Difficult.
0: Yes. Uh, Right. Well, it is hard to understand, but. Many are not saved who claim to be saved, Mm -hmm. but we're not supposed to try to get into their hearts and figure all that out. Right. Right. What we're supposed to do is to present the truth of God and god opens the hearts through that word that's been shared that's exactly how god works is through the word the word the gospel is the power of god unto salvation and of course the word of truth is the power of god unto sanctification right so these letters are absolutely critical for that as i'm sure we have seen in studying philippians so it's given it gives us a whole new view of what god is doing today right Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's one thing to open the heart so that a person might believe and be saved it's another thing that's an ongoing work uh in us and through us until that final point right god and that's we just go back to philippians chapter one uh you know it's begun a good work and he will finish it at the day of jesus christ now if somebody doesn't want to receive these teachings that's to their uh well paul even says destruction using a very strong word here that means the life really doesn't doesn't consist as it should it's unraveling Mm -hmm. okay so Certainly, the comparison, comparison between a life that coheres in Christ Jesus and the life that is unraveling is very, very dramatic, right? Uh, but religion and other things can cover that up unless we have a considerable discerning capability, right? So, praise the Lord for the opportunity to walk. Philippians 3 says it well. Uh, walk, mark them, and walk. So as you have us, for an example, for many walk of whom I've told you often, and they'll tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Okay.
1: I I think I think I Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Lisa.
2: I'm finished. Thanks so much, Jim.
0: Hey, Linda. Linda. Well, I was
1: gonna. I was just gonna say. I think. Uh, different people come to Christ for different reasons. Uh, I think some people come uh, heavily burdened with sin, and are so grateful for what Christ, has, you know, does for them. Mm. And I, I remember a, a, a woman. I believe she was a Christian, and uh, when she was sharing with me her her reason for coming to Christ, she said she heard the the preacher. Uh, Preach the gospel and uh, offer salvation. And she said, boy, I want some of that and I'm going to take it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay.
1: So she came came, a totally different motivation. And I think it was reflected throughout her life. She she believed she was a believer, but she never really grew uh, spiritually.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're right, Linda, and, and it, it's also very much dependent on what we've learned, what we've been taught and so forth. Many believers are not in an area where they are being taught, so, of course, then they don't have spiritual food. Now, we can say, well, they can get it directly out of God's Word, right? If only they would go there, right? Uh, but they haven't. So, but,
1: but I think a lot of it still comes back to the original motivation. Hmm. I, I remember when I was a brand new Christian, everybody was handing me books written by this guy and <laughs> books written by this woman and books yeah. written by this one. And finally, one day, not too long into my walk, I said, "Wait a minute! <laughs> I haven't even read the Bible yet, and they're giving me yeah. all this junk."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true, Linda. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks for sharing with us. Uh, that's wonderful. Any other comments before we close in prayer today? Father God, thank you again. Thank you for blessing us so greatly with this word of truth. May it be spiritual food for us that we might rejoice and receive and enjoy your very peace, the peace That passes all understanding, that keeps us, protects us, and also encourages us each moment of this walk here. Father, thank you so much for each one who joined in for the sharing that we've just enjoyed as well. And Father, we look forward to see how you will work today in our lives. May we be a bright light, Father, for those still in darkness. And we would ask this in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen. Amen.